Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Turbo Button Podcast. We got a juicy episode this week. So much happened. It's kind of insane. Also, a lot of cool stuff has been coming out, particularly in the Blizzard front. And kind of segueing into that, um, I'm going to introduce my co-host here. And Chris, say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. So, Chris, what a week for gaming, huh? You got to tell me about what you've been playing it's this week. Been, it's sure been a couple weeks since we last recorded, I believe, or last released something. Um, I have been playing... Uh, oh, God, what have I been playing? I finished playing something. I forget what it was. And then I started playing Valhalla. The, uh, it's a, it's the first and only virtual novel I've ever owned. It's supposed, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's an American made virtual novel, uh, still has an anime aesthetic, but it's, uh, it was very popular. I think, I I believe I got this game in a humble bundle. It's very popular game. Um, and I'm sort of reading through it. It takes place in a cyberpunk universe. You play as a bartender, people come into your bar. Um, and it's the last like few weeks or months of uh, your your bars uh, being in business, and there's uh, a bunch of a bunch of characters coming in and talking about their lives, and uh, there are these corporations and there are these uh, like sort of uh, like anonymous like 4chan anonymous kind of like rebels going around, um, and there there's. There's this girl, there's like streaming Chan who like is, oh <laughs> is, is the, the, like the, 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 like taking the idea of streaming your life and like vlogging and stuff to like a crazy extreme where she's recording literally every moment of her life all the time. And like, she has like premium accounts where people can like see her take showers and stuff. And like, there's, oh there's like jokes and there's jokes and stuff about that. There are these like little android robots that um are are mostly designed to they're 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 designed to be like very pretty but uh they have such highly artificial like they have such evolved artificial intelligence that uh they can like go out and do whatever they want but they're designed to be sex robots so like there's that interesting um, there's there's a uh, a hacker character there's this uh, newspaper uh, CEO who keeps coming into your bar and he's like I'll have a beer and you're like alright so you give him a beer and he's like that's not a beer and you're like I just gave you a fucking beer man what are you talking about <laughs> so that's pretty funny it's it's a it's a good little game it's it's cute um, you make money and then you in between sort of sessions uh, at your bar you go uh, to your house and you can use the money that you made to customize your room and things like that. And it's really cute. Um, I've not gotten to the actual romancing part. I'm not sure if there is a romancing part. Uh, like, honestly, there's just more and more characters being introduced. But I'm only a couple hours, maybe three, four hours into the game so far. So I would be surprised if there weren't any romance I, options. In I there. would be surprised too, but... Uh, it does. I, I'm not sure where this story is going or where anything is going, um, but it's a funny game. It's an endearing game. There, there are lots of really nice characters, things like that. I also started another indie game called Dropsy, which is uh, published by Devolver. It 
uh, it's a point-and-click adventure game, uh, old-style point-and-click, um, and you play as this uh, fat, ugly clown named Dropsy, and uh, all he does, like, everyone's afraid of him, and people are especially afraid of him because he is the only survivor of this terrible fire that burned down his entire circus and Whoa, killed dude. and killed everyone. And so people so people like think that he caused the fire. And so people are like afraid of him and and like don't like him <laughs> and stuff. But the only thing that he wants in life is to make people happy and give people hugs. So so you pl- you play as Dropsy and you click around the map and you're solving people's like everyday problems and giving things hugs and it's like really cute <laughs> like it's it's so much fun it's it's a really adorable game um and it's really very beautiful great pixel art and everything like that um i hopped back into zelda breath of the wild um i finished the last uh guardian that i needed to uh uh defeat i guess needed to clear out um so now i'm just sort of uh doing some shrine quests and things like that before uh, going in and defeating Ganon, and I still have all of the DLC uh, stuff to get through. So that's what I've been playing the last couple of weeks. Well, you know what I've been playing the last couple of weeks. I do know what you've been playing. <laughs> I've been playing Necromancer, and holy crap, is that awesome. <laughs> it is... Okay, You've been playing Necromancer a lot too, though. I right? played Necromancer literally two hours before we started recording. Like I bought it and then I just started playing, and it oh yeah, it's a blast. I think it's funny because I went on to um, what was I going to say? I went on to Diablo three a few weeks before the release, and there were only like eighty people online, at least in the thing that I was playing in. But like now that Necromancer is out, it's like. So many people are in general chat, and they're all like, Yo, are you leveling Necro? Yeah. What are you doing for your build? Dude, Bone Basher, dude, that's the met. <laughs> like, that kind of <laughs> uh-huh. talk. And it's funny, because general chat usually is filled with cancer and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, those 60 people are always cancer. Oh, man. Uh, oh, maybe I was thinking about Overwatch's general chat. That That's filled with cancer, too. But <laughs> Oof, ouch. <laughs> basically... I, I don't mean that jokingly. It's pretty funny. Get some pretty funny memes in there. But um, so I, I guess I'll describe the build I've been doing right now. I haven't fully leveled my Necromancer yet because I've been pretty busy. Um, but basically what I'm doing now is focusing on making like a skeleton army and a mage army. So what I've been doing is using my. So there's a left click where it's like a large scythe arcing aoe damage attack pretty much so i've been doing that um every time you hit something it restores 12 essence which is the resource that you get as a necromancer and basically what i do is i hit a large group of enemies get like a hundred get all my essence back in one swing because it's per (laughs) person that you hit and after that i just keep spawning mages and skeletons and they destroy everything for me and it's pretty awesome i think Another awesome perk is, like, I have a perk for my uh, scythe swipe where there's a chance a low-health enemy will die instantly because they'll get decapitated from the scythe. And it's like, I get uh, just just slaying 
here's the thing I love about Diablo. When I first played it, I played as a monk, and I was just like, oh, monk sounds like a cool class that nobody uses or something like that. And I guess I couldn't be far from the truth. I guess everybody plays monk. But basically... Uh, but like 1v1 combat for my monk was like insanely fun because you would have all these abilities that are high damage high mobility you can go all over the place and stuff like that but for um i guess this is true for every class uh for the necromancer in particular one thing i really enjoyed about it is that it's like there's so many cc options the crowd control options that like you can i don't know it's just like so many different crazy ways of playing it um, but so far my favorite way has been like the summoning, like all my skeleton armies to just go out and kill everything for me while I occasionally just refill up my essence and then just spawn more and more <laughs> like mages to go do my bidding for me and stuff like that. Um, but what, what have you been doing with your necromancer character? My necromancer, my left click is the life steal is a life drain. My right click is corpse explosion. Um, and then I have uh, the skeletons. I have the uh, big beefy guy, the big beefy boy um, that jumps. And I have the perk where whenever he jumps and lands, he creates four corpses automatically. Um, so I just keep corpse exploding those, which makes more corpse <laughs> explodes, makes more corpses that I can explode. And it just snowballs basically into a bunch of corpse explosions that just it. Yeah, it's really good. And then Seems I like a lot of oh sorry go on. Um and then I have wizards that I can uh that I summon uh, sometimes in addition to the corpse explosions if like I I fight like a um a unique enemy or something like that. And then I just have bone armor uh sort of as a as a placeholder for now. I'm not sure what I want to fill with that yet. Yeah, I've been um it sounds like basically the different play styles that i've seen it seems like the play style in general with necromancer is like it's kind of a snowball character where early in a fight they're not that strong but as they kill more and more things they can kill more and more things and it's a uh so satisfying yeah it's really good um but i i'm get i can tell why you did the corpse explosion build it must be really satisfying to just see all that blood just popping up all over Corpse exp- I I played a little bit of Diablo Diablo 2. Um I got through the first 3 acts. I've never beaten Diablo 2, not even the main game. But uh Corpse Explosion is actually like not one of the best abilities for the necromancer in in uh in 2, but it's really fun. It's just it's just so much fun. Um and as soon as I knew Corpse Explosion was part of the game, and you get it really early. Um, yeah. Oh, I just, I just had to, I just had to keep using that. Like it's, it's just too good. I like, um, I like how the different perks play into. The, I mean, this is true for any Diablo kid. I mean, but like, I used to do Corpse Explosion. I kind of stopped doing it at the moment because I like my little skeleton army build that I'm doing right now. But basically, um, I like how they had a perk for the mage one i'm 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 pretty sure you have this one when the mage disappears it turns into a corpse that you can use for corpse explosion <laughs> yeah um yeah that's pretty much uh what i've been playing other than um there's something else i've been playing but we're gonna talk about that later in the episode so 
I guess we can just use this uh, bloodshed and violence to kind of transition into our next little topic that we got going. Oh, but actually, did you have any any other things that you've been playing? Uh, no, I believe that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, because then we can transition into. Uh, this was a surprise for me. Uh, I've made it. Ver- it's been made very apparent to me that this has been in the works for a while, and I've probably just been sleeping under a rock. Uh, Castlevania dropped on Netflix. Uh, while I was. I mean, in between episodes, I mean, I guess is what I'm saying. And when I saw that on my homepage, I was like, huh, I didn't know that was happening. I should check it out because it looks cool. And um, I guess uh, Chris knows a little bit about the background. Like, what? Did, when did Netflix announce they were doing this? Because I literally been under a rock. I want to say it was about a year ago. A year ago? Yeah. Is it around the time when they were like saying like we wanted a Zelda show on Netflix? Pot? Mm, yes, a little bit after that. Ah, I see. I guess they realized that Game of Thrones and Zelda might not work. Oh well. Or maybe they. <laughs> I don't know. But my personal opinion uh, is that I think Fire Emblem would make a more Game of Thrones esque style show, uh, just because it's I don't know. I I. I I guess it could work, but anyway, back back on topic. <laughs> um, uh, basically, uh, I watched Castlevania, and if it was a movie, I don't think I would like it. But as a Netflix series, I thought it was pretty good, pretty solid. I didn't think it was perfect. I mean, nothing really is perfect, but I thought it was a pretty solid show. Um, I think my, my biggest issue is pacing. Uh... I think in particular, very, I, I don't remember if this is the first episode. There's like a group of, uh, there's like a tribe of people who have oral tradition. I forget what they're called off of the top of my head. But basically, they, base, there's this part in that episode where all they do is lore dump the background of this tribe. And I'm like, I feel like there's a better way to, to do this instead of just like talking about it. Because one thing I love about this show so much is the blood and gore. Oh my god. <laughs> That's why I thought it would be good to transition Diablo into this. Because if Diablo's bloody, this show's bloody. So much blood everywhere. Um, to the point, it's really funny because even in the first episode, I thought it was going to be like Attack on Titan. But no, it's it's even... I would say it's worse than that. There's like entrails everywhere. Like demons splitting people in half and all their entrails are all over the place there's literally a demon holding a bloody baby in its mouth and it's eating it i was like jesus christ this show is brutal um one thing i love about this show is trevor belmont um i think his character his character reminds me in a way of sort of a gamer where he's like super nonchalant he's like oh those people are totally going to die if they just stay there. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. He's he's kind of a drunk. Um, well, not kind of. He is a drunk. I would say he's just like a super nonchalant dude that's pretty confident and knows a lot about the world. He has a sailor mouth for sure. And he just curses a lot. I think the thing that really made the show stand out for me in terms of at least in terms of video game shows is that it's really adult oriented like i think when i think back to video game tv shows i think of like um the zelda (laughs) the zelda animated show it's like excuse me like that one it's like really kid friendly it this one is like no holds bars 
balls to the wall just so much violence and so much uh it's real. i i really like that about the show to be honest um did you have any thoughts or like disagreements or agreements or anything about i i generally agreed with you i'm not a bit of background for me i'm not a netflix person i don't i don't watch a lot of tv or watch a lot of shows or series or anything like that but i'm always down for something gaming related so you know castlevania was something that i had known about for again like i said for about a year um so i was interested in watching it um i pretty much agreed with you there there were some pacing issues especially in that episode in particular i believe that was the third episode um the there were some there were some strange like you could tell where and this is this is an interesting thing especially when i watch animated tv shows or or anime in general and again i'm not very keen on anime but you can you can tell when a when an anime or when a cartoon has a good budget or a bad budget especially in action sequences like it can get framey sometimes or it can get um it it, it the animations themselves don't seem like they're as fluid as they could be but that's not particularly what i'm sort of what, what what i'm sort of critical about as far as the animation goes there were just a few points when like trevor might walk away or something like that and his legs might move but his arms might not move enough or something something you know just just awkward how it was drawn not necessarily how it was animated if that makes sense yeah um there were there were a couple like kind of logical problems that i had the one the the thing that stuck out to me was um and here we're going to get into spoilers in case anyone listening has not watched the show yet netflix spoilers alert yeah netflix spoilers alert um darth vader is luke's father um okay seriously though if you don't want spoilers just skip ahead a few minutes yeah so um i believe it was episode three when the demons attack the city um and one of the characters turns out to be a uh sorceress and she summons ice walls and stuff right mm-hmm. um the the flying demons attack the city but she has ice walls and the the point of the ice walls is to funnel in the demons but there's no like roof to keep them from flying away but they don't fly away anyway and it's just smart demons chris i i guess (laughs) i'm just i suppose so i don't know that that seemed a little bit convenient um going on to trevor i didn't like him at first i richard armitage voices trevor and he's he's a very good uh english actor he's probably most famous for being um uh theowin graybeard in the hobbit movies or theowin what oh god did i just say a completely different uh different fantasy character anyway he was the main dwarf in the hobbit uh trilogy peter jackson's hobbit trilogy he's a very good actor um and he actually does a fairly decent job of disguising his his voice 
um, in this. Although you, if you're a fan of of Richard Armitage, you can definitely tell it's his. Um, I didn't really like Trevor as a character until he sort of decided, oh, okay, like 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 there was a point where I believe they were called the Orders that that tribe of of people who had who only kept um oral oral uh traditions um th- there was a point where he was like you guys need to get out of here and they're like no way and he was like fine then i'm leaving and then and then he decides okay like no you you guys need to get out of here uh anyway so he wants to like force them to leave the town while the demons attack and the orders are like, no, we're going to help these people out. And then Trevor's like, all right, fine. I'll help you. I'll help you guys. And then it was, it, it was, it's a testament to like the sort of uh, tropes where a hero or a protagonist has to have some kind of redeeming factor to them. Like it's possible for, for a character to be dislike a main character to be dislikable. But for in order for someone to be a quote unquote hero, you, they they need to have you know redeeming qualities. And it wasn't until that point that I felt like he had any redeeming qualities. He was just kind of an asshole a lot of the time. He was, I was def- about to ask. Yeah, sorry. Um, I wanted to say I was about to ask. There was a part, and I think in that same episode where um the priests were harassing uh one of the people in that tribe but i realized like at the moment it's like that's not really a redeeming quality he just wanted to beat people (laughs) yeah at that one point yeah yeah it's 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 kind of weird how how they characterize him he's very jaded um he's he's the last of the belmonts and he's just kind of like well you guys screwed over my family so you know forget everyone um but but he's He's coming into his own, I think, during this series. And that's another thing that um, I sort of had a criticism of, was that it was way too short. Um, and that's right. that's a criticism that a lot of people had. I think this is th- this series is based on uh, Castlevania 3 for NES. And um, I don't know, it was just... It, Four episodes was maybe half of the story that they wanted to tell. I feel like I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it was a full eight or ten or whatever it would have been episodes. Um, right. Because at the at to me, episode four was when things get really interesting, and then that's the end of the quote unquote season. So right. it, it was it was just it was it was a little frustrating for me as a viewer to be like oh my gosh like why hasn't this story been resolved already i feel like i feel like that's mostly netflix's fault though i mean this is the first is this the first video game related content that they released on netflix cuz i'm pretty sure it is um straight up video game like adaptation i believe so yeah so i mean well yeah as far as netflix originals go yeah there's there yeah it's just that, yeah, that's what I meant up for Netflix. I. It's it's interesting because I'm pretty sure they know it's a significant risk because of the video game adaptations that have happened before, this one in particular. Um, so I think if anything, that should be a criticism of oh, Netflix only gave us four episodes to work with, so 
if it's successful, they'll probably make another season. Did they confirm that they're making another season of this? Well, by the way? yeah, exactly. Yes, they did. And, and I was about to say that after you finished was that the very same day that the series was released, they confirmed a second season. Was it that successful on the first day? I, I, I don't know. It was it was within like I checked my phone. I was checking Twitter and stuff. And I was like, oh, Castlevania came out today. And then a few hours later, I like got the news that it had been <laughs> it, it had been confirmed for a second season. And I was like, oh, OK, great. Like, why? <laughs> like, well, no. OK, so maybe they didn't they really didn't think anybody would watch it. And then they were when they released it, they're like, oh, people kind of liked it. Let's let's <laughs> green light season two, guys. Yeah. Or something like maybe. that. Maybe. Or maybe they greenlit the season already. They just didn't announce it because they wanted to see if people actually liked it first. I don't. I don't know if that's typical or not. But sometimes they like kind of greenlight it in bulk or something like that. Or if someone sees the episodes that come out of season one and then they kind of behind doors kind of greenlight it. Maybe I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of all my thoughts. Do you have any other thoughts? No, other uh, other than I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was a darn good darn good first season in the future because well okay going a little bit into castlevania lore um the the whole series is about the belmont family right it's it's a it's about succession um it's about vamp uh dracula coming back and then the next belmont has to defeat him and things like that i would be interested in in future seasons to of course see future belmonts i would i would love to see their adaptation of um of uh the the good old simon belmont um i i and i'd hopefully in the future they release a full story arc rather than something like this which seemed like half a half a half a story arc right i think that um would you be open to like having original stories coming out of this or do you just want it to be strictly adaptations uh, that's a good question. I'm not the biggest Castlevania fan. Like, I, I love the games, um, or the classic games, rather. I've not played the newest ones. Um, but I, I, I would not be opposed to an original story as long as it was contained within one season. I don't think I would want... Yeah. I don't think I would want, like, one-off kind of Monster of the Week kind of episodes in the middle of a season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, one thing that I really like about Netflix shows is that um, uh, typically a lot of episodes on network television, they're really only 20 minutes, but like for a lot of Netflix shows, well, I guess this doesn't really count for Castlevania. The episodes were only like 20 minutes, I think, every episode. Yeah, they're about basically. 28 minutes, something like that. But like something like Daredevil, that's like an hour, I think, every single episode. And it's like wall-to-wall, non-stop, intriguing content. And I'm not quite sure if it's just because they've invested a lot of money into like really good writing and production, especially when it comes to like the Marvel sort of things that they have for Netflix. Um, but I think I think it would be pretty cool. Like, like you, I'm not really that into Castlevania um, that much. But I was intrigued because I play video games and uh, I saw that and I was like, that's a video game by a developer that refuses to make any video games anymore and only makes pachinko machines let's watch it <laughs> so yeah. that's why i watched it i think um 
One thing I really do like, uh, I know there was some animation issues, but I really enjoyed the style too. I thought, like, for a guy, I know there's American animation out there, but at least for a guy that kind of sees anime all over the place, it was really refreshing to not have this really be an anime, I guess. Um, I want more of that style, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it was not, it was definitely not entirely anime, but it was, it was, it seemed, it seemed a little more, like if you took the style of like Avatar The Last Airbender and made it a little bit more Western, that's probably what you would, what you would uh, end up with. The opening sequence actually, I'm sorry, I keep talking about Diablo or going back to it. The intro sequence sort of reminded me of Diablo, specifically in the parts where they're like book sections in the campaign in diablo 3 but i don't know i guess the only thing that kind of twists the two brings the two together is like hell and lots of blood (laughs) and violence um but yeah uh any other thoughts or do you want to move on to the next segment no i'm i'm good okay uh speaking of netflix there's a new service coming soon uh that's like netflix for indie games uh Chris is more of our, sort of our indie game connoisseur, if you will, so uh, do you want to talk more about, talk more about this tasty service? I've never been called an indie game connoisseur before, I think I, I think I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You should add that to your bio. To my, to my bio, oh yeah. Um, Jump is, is the name of the service. Um, It's, yeah, the, the tagline for this is, uh. Netflix for indie games, which is really interesting. I, I it's odd because this is a streaming service, this is like Netflix, or if you want to go into the realm of gaming, this is like um, PlayStation Now, or I'm not sure what the Xbox equivalent of that is, if there is one. Um, but this is this is specifically for uh, games by independent developers. The point is not just to get money. Uh, to those indie game indie indie developers, but also to allow for more uh more uh what's the word I'm looking for not notoriety but uh to to get maybe an indie game that you may have skipped over uh to uh oh it's on the tip of my tongue anyway to to disseminate uh indie games out into into the public a little bit better. Um, in case you're not to distribute, to, uh, yeah, distribute, uh, may- maybe, um, anyway, what's interesting to me about this service is that one, I never would have thought to do something like this, but two, it's a huge risk. I don't know how many people are actually interested in just streaming their games. I, I feel like something like PlayStation Now, which is something I have a little bit more um, experience with because my housemates had it in college. Um, I feel like something like PlayStation Now is is perhaps a bit more accessible because those are almost all games that like came out last generation, basically. Yeah. Um, whereas something like Jump would potentially be um is is 
a little bit more difficult to to market is a little bit more difficult to sort of get an audience for because even if even if it's not like you're getting an old game quote unquote it's that you're getting an indie game which ideally sort of stands the test of time especially aesthetically or as far as gameplay or things like that i don't, I don't know it's it's a bit strange it's also very expensive i believe it's ten dollars a month um, which is, which is, it's, it's, it's a good amount. I believe that's about half of what you would be paying, paying for PlayStation now. Um, I don't, don't quote me on that because I did not do my research as far as compare price comparisons go. But right now it's in, Jump is in beta testing. Uh, you can sign up and during beta it's free. Um, and I believe there are 60 plus games available. Um, it's, 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 it's going to be difficult finding an audience for this because, like I said, I'm not sure how many people are interested in streaming a game. Anyone that I know who would be interested in, in playing an indie game would rather own the indie game than stream it. And also 60, you know, roughly 60 games for $10 a month sh is, is, a hard price point as it stands now. Uh, I think hopefully uh, Jump will have more, obviously will have more games, more high quality games. Um, but but as it stands now at launch with 60, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough sell, even for me who would love something like this. Yeah, yeah I think I, I'm not by no means a professional when it comes to the technical side of streaming because for one of my college projects, I actually worked on a streamed game. So for one of our classes, it was like a multiplayer systems class. And a lot of people sort of go like the client server kind of thing where like on the server, it's pure data. And on the client, they do the rendering. What we ended up doing for our project, because it was senior year, so we were like, screw this. We want to do something different with our group. We basically sort of did a streaming version of a game where we would have a super rudimentary Thomas Was Alone style version of Bomberman being rendered on the server. We would convert that into like a byte array and transfer that over the internet and have it just stream the images to the clients. And it was a pain to set up, but I think the thing that really throws people off about that kind of service it's cool because you can run games on a potato like probably a literal potato if potatoes get technologically advanced to the point where they can play games in the first place but oh, techno potatoes um, <laughs> um but basically if you don't have a good internet connection have fun trying to do that i think uh i don't i don't I don't mean to get too overtly political, but like the net neutrality thing is happening today. This is kind of an aside, but yeah, our ISP situation here in the States is pretty awful. <laughs> so when you have duopolies in every state and they don't literally offer the best internet service, I find it hard like a startup company like this succeeding, especially when it's hard to like, if your internet goes down, you can't play the games either. And another concern, actually, I have for this, too, this doesn't have anything to do with anything technical, is I want to know 
what percentage of cut are they getting for the developers? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another thing that I'm concerned about. I honestly, if I want to buy an indie game, I'll just buy it on Steam or GOG. Like, I feel like I don't know about Steam, but at least I'm supporting the developer directly. May I don't necessarily know how cuts work on a streaming service when it's just up there, and maybe they don't necessarily know if they're gonna sell copies or like. Obviously, they can track how many active people are watching the stream, probably. But I guess, I guess you see what the point that I'm saying is. Yeah. If it, um, are they gonna remove games? I guess is another issue and stuff like that. If people have games, how do they? There's a lot of logistical issues. I'm sure they've thought about this. I think my biggest problem is is that personally for me, and I think I most of the people that I know would feel this way. If you play games enough, like a ser- a serious even including games like dark souls where you like where like response time is super obvious and like if you have any sort of input lag it's like extremely awful (laughs) so imagine that on a bad network connection if you're playing like a dark souls like indie game and (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the input lag might be awful um I just don't think, personally, I'm not a fan of game streaming. I know some people are excited about that, but I hope that internet speeds in the U.S. kind of get better first, for consumers at least, um, before that something like that can actually take off. But at least that's my take. Do you have any comments on that? Um, I'm only looking at the FAQ right now, and apparently... uh. The way that I'm not sure exactly how this is working, but the way streaming works is that you load the game first. Well, here, I'll, I'll just read this to you. The, the question here is, what internet speed do I need? The answer is, don't worry, any old broadband connection speed will do. That only affects the initial loading of games. So while it may take a little longer, using the dial-up at Grandma's house, after loading, the game plays locally on your desktop. No need for a super fast connection, etc., etc. Most games will take uh, under 60 seconds on a 15 megabits per second connection. Uh, I need to test that. I'm pretty sure it's BS, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have no no way of personally uh, being able to verify that at all. I, I'll, I'll join the beta. I'll test it out a little bit, actually. Uh, maybe I'll eat my words on the next episode of the podcast. Who knows? So... Well, we can do a correction section. <laughs> yeah, correction section. Um, I think I'm looking. I'm looking at. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the list of games that they have here. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at this. In 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 a in a case where I am interested in playing an indie game that I'm not sure I want to buy yet, I suppose something like jump would be good like beneficial for what i want to do in in the case that there's no demo or something like that of the game on steam i don't yeah i don't oh man it's rough this this is a this is a rough sort of niche that they're trying to cut out for themselves i think yeah um i guess we can move on to the next topic if you're done with this yeah uh if you're if anyone listening is interested in jump uh 
It's at playonjump.com. Uh, yeah, open, it's free. Yeah, free, beta. free beta right now. I believe it launches officially next month. Um, and I believe that you have a trial period after of uh, fourteen days after it launches officially. Okay. So, um, yeah, moving on over. There's a Kickstarter for a nonprofit video game art gallery. Um, is this like a? I haven't read about this. Is this like a video game history? Uh, kind of thing or is it just literally like an art gallery for video games so from what i understand um and i only saw this within the last couple days vga gallery is a is was a traveling uh art gallery for video games art and new media art basically um uh in the chicago area and it's not. It's I. Uh, from what I understand, it's not necessarily games history so much as this game or this 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 game looks pretty. Here are a bunch of screenshots of it. Or here is digital digitally made art. Here's some like you know here's a picture of it a, a screen of it and sort of promoting the idea that games can be art in in a different different kind of way, not necessarily in an interactive way kind of way the way. You might think of video games being art as as going, but um, it's it's an interesting endeavor. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Um, VGA, from what I have seen, has been very well, um, very has got a lot of positive response from the people in Chicago. Um, and yeah, they have a Kickstarter that, as of this podcast, as of our recording, is about three quarters of the way. Uh, uh, funded. It's for for the and the, of course the Kickstarter is for their own permanent installation uh, in Chicago, rather than it having to be a traveling installation going to different places that'll that'll hold them. Yeah, I see what you mean. I think they'll. I have a feeling they'll make their goal. Uh, they got twenty days left. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I was looking at some of the art pieces they have there, and it looks pretty cool. I. I must say I did back it partly because they have cool t-shirts. Um <laughs> and I'm Oh, where are the t-shirts, dude? I want to see this. Um they're I believe they are the $25 um the $25 pledge. Um but I yeah, I I'm as much as I am interested in seeing and promoting uh sort of uh, esports and and things like that. Um, I'm also interested in in promoting the idea that games are art and that games can be art. So I think something like the VGA gallery is pretty important for you know gaming culture, gaming as a whole for anyone interested. You know, any anyone who believes that uh, games can be more than entertainment every once in a while. You know. Let's see. Um, any other comments, we, or we can move on to the next one? Uh, no, not really. All right, Steam UI update. Um, is this for the store, or is this for like Steam in general? This is for, and let me pull up my notes on it. This is mostly for the store, and mostly for um, the recommendation sort of engine that they have going on. I see, because um, I actually put like a different skin <clears throat> for my steam thing just because i think steam's vanilla ui is kind of boring yeah. for me so i just put my own on 
yeah, I did too, actually. Um, oh, this is also for the library as well. Those are the those are the oh, big okay. the, the big three things that they wanted to get at. So, like, what kind of things have they been doing? Let's start with the store first. Sure. I mean, this the Steam Summer Sale just happened. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the store. So, from what I for I they have Valve had this uh, sort of meeting thing it was like have you ever seen early e3 presentations where they were like yeah they were like literally in a small room with like a slideshow it yeah. it was exactly that it was just this awkward guy with a slideshow talking about steam it was like a unity developers conference wasn't it yeah it was uh i want to say it was in stockholm that this was going on because that's the first thing i think about whenever i hear unity stockholm uh, well <laughs> i don't know anyway it, this was this was definitely in europe that this was taking place um but anyway the store so the the store here yeah th- this was a about 45 minute presentation um about 30 of those minutes were dedicated to the uh little powerpoint that they had going on the store they're wanting to update the recommendation engine and in particular um into excuse me integrate uh steam curators a little bit more um so of course if you're not familiar with how steam curators works basically that's it's it's people or a group of people you create an account or something along those lines where you are a curator and what this means is that uh you are writing and uh writing reviews and uh doing recommendations for uh certain games and people who follow that curator um are told which games they like and which games they didn't like and things like that and that's supposed to ideally supposed to uh, inform you as the consumer as to uh, what you should and shouldn't be buying depending on who you're following as a curator. Yeah, I actually utilize that system quite frequently. I have Total Biscuit in my follows for curators right now. Yeah. And um, there's also, um, I don't know if they address this, there's other things for curation. Like another th- curation thing that I follow is also from Total Biscuit, but it's basically like the 30 frames per second lock seal of approval yes yeah where it's like it's just a way of i guess publicly shaming games that have a 30 fps lock on it Uh but i think i thought it was pretty funny that's why i subscribed to that Um, uh so there they outlined a number of ways steam steam curators are going to be integrated a little bit more um they're interested in showing like if you click on that curator, they're interested in being able to link you directly to like streams or broadcasts or like video reviews that they have done um, of those games. They're interested in allowing curators to make uh, lists. So like in in for Total Biscuit, like exactly for the 30 FPS lock, for example, instead of creating a whole new curator for that, he could just make a list. Like, these games only have, only run at 30 frames per second. And and instead of you having to go back and forth between 
these two different curators that he's both he's managing. Let's see. Um, there's uh, you can also be able to uh, you're supposed to be able to search for specific cura- search and find specific curators based on tags, language, the operating system that they use, things like that. Um, there's going to be better curator verification. So there could be like, for, if we're using Total Biscuit for example, if some if the if there's a fake Total Biscuit curator account somewhere out there, and a bunch of people are following it, you know, they're it's just making sure that the real Total Biscuit is the real Total Biscuit, and this fake account is not being you know followed for no good reason. Yeah, it's like the Twitter verification. Yeah, thing. exactly. Um and. This is supposed to allow, after verification, this is supposed to allow for devs um, of games to be able to send uh, curators Steam games directly without the use of a key. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so so potentially you don't have keys floating around where they shouldn't be and things like that. Um, so that's pretty much it. Uh, as far as they also mentioned a little bit about Steam reviews, they want to make it, they said, quote unquote, make it easier to review games. I'm not exactly sure what that means yet. I'm kind of concerned about that, actually. Yeah, it, it, it could be good. It could be bad. <laughs> not sure. They want to improve the helpfulness rating of, of individual reviews. So potentially, like, um, the the recent and overall sort of reviews that you see on the side of a of the store page for a game possibly have some like weighted values to them um depending on how helpful each review that uh goes into uh the the sort of average um is so that's that's a possibility um they also the last thing that they mentioned as far as the store goes wanted to create a sort of centralized calendar system. So currently right now on Steam, there is an event system, um, but that's mostly, for, or at least in my experience, that's mostly for like groups that you're following. So I'm part of the 100% achievements group because I'm crazy. Um, and every once in a while, they do big community events where like, hey, we're all going to play... I don't know, Batman Arkham Origins. Um, And there's a multiplayer version of Batman Arkham Origins, and uh, it's the multiplayer is closing down, and this is an actual thing that happened. The multiplayer is closing down. Uh, Whoever wants to get all of the multiplayer achievements, go ahead and hop in at this time, and we're all going to be playing uh, multiplayer so that everyone can get their achievements before the official multiplayer servers close down. Things like that. Um, instead, what they want to do as far as, um, this event system goes is that, uh, possibly you can actually click a button and see a, an actual calendar and depending on what kind of, uh, or or rather what games you have in your libraries, um, the developers of these games can have, uh, events displayed on that calendar. So... Uh, like Call of Duty XP weekends or things like that, or events where you can play with the devs, or if a curator is playing a game or is is going to be streaming during this time playing this game, you can see that on the calendar. 
um, any kind of contests or tournaments, uh, even major updates can all be displayed on this calendar all concurrently. And they this sort of, so it's sort of a revamping of this whole event system to uh, sort of advantage the the developers of these games. I kind of actually like that. I mean, on PS4, they had a uh, system similar to this. I don't know if they had a full-on calendar for it, but, like, they would have, I guess, notifications, like, if you play a game, they're like, hey, there's this thing going on. It would, like, mention that in the operating system. But I think that's pretty cool that they're doing that with the calendar. Um, it would be, I don't know. For me, I when I like reading patch notes, it would be neat to see <laughs> all of the things. Like, I can just go to the calendar and read the patch notes there or something like that instead of, like, having to go dig around on the internet to go see what it was or something like that. Um, but other than that, I think those are pretty cool things. Didn't they talk about Steam Direct also? Uh possibly it, that there was there that was not part of the presentation the the powerpoint presentation it may have been part of the q a that i didn't watch i thought they did talk about it though i'm not quite sure though um there were some updates to the library that they that they mentioned uh if i if you don't mind me talking about that too oh yeah go ahead okay. go ahead um basically from what i could tell they want to kind of integrate the community tab and the library tab from this is basically the gist of what they're going to be doing. Um, so when you click on a game in your library, you can, you can in part see, um, upcoming events and things like that with the calendar that I mentioned earlier. Um, you can also, but, but, um, there's also going to be some, some like, features where you can see community content like the things like the screenshots and arts and guides and and things like that that you see in the community pages um just straight on on the uh on to on the game uh page in your library i guess that's how you would say that um you can sort of track which achievements you and your friends have gotten um you can actually see uh when your friends are streaming from from you that from from your library basically um and sort of join that from there i yeah it's it, it looks like they're trying to fold together the community and the library which uh may may or may not be i it sounds interesting definitely um but it, i i hope it just looks nice to be honest because yeah. it, it that that sounds like it could be very cluttered to me yeah um what was i gonna say um it sounds like too that they're kind of making a push for their stream service yeah which to be honest i do enjoy uh, who is it that calls it strems is it one of our <laughs> is it one of our friends that calls it that yeah i en i enjoy steam streams for the sake of um when i don't want to go on twitch and have like maybe other people that aren't my friends watching me play games and stuff I think Discord is introducing that too, actually, in a future patch where they're going to have it so you can stream to your Discord server. Um, but I don't know. I think there's kind of uh, ups and downs when it comes to Steam streams in particular, but I actually enjoy it when I'm like, hey, uh, want to watch this game that I think you would like? You should check it out. And I'm like, sure. And then you can um, just kind of watch it, mm -hmm. I guess, for a little bit. See if you like it. Um 
what would be cool i don't know if they mentioned having something like this something that playstation 4 does actually is share play so like you can play local multiplayer games but stream your gameplay from one ps4 to another ps4 over the internet so you could play like lovers in a dangerous space time but like with somebody that is like in another state i guess Mm. and it just renders so the game like renders on one screen and it streams it to another playstation that for the person that you're playing with i don't know if they have that but that would actually be pretty cool if they implemented that that. would be fantastic um i'm thinking of games like overcooked um because i love that game to death and it's super funny to play it (laughs) with other people but i don't know if it's like networked or anything but when you I feel like games like that are totally different when you play it on a couch or like playing. Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of kind of getting uh, getting into a non-related topic. But um, uh, I love Overcooked. Go check that game out, by the way. It's <laughs> really cool. Um, is that is that pretty much it with the uh, with that particular topic? Yeah. You want to move yeah, on to there there may have been other stuff that I missed because I didn't watch the Q&A, but that was. Those were the highlights of that. All right. So I did not mention one thing I was playing this week because we're kind of grouping all of this together um, for the last little bits of the show. And um, Doomfist was announced for Overwatch. Um, if you've been living under a rock for in the Overwatch community, Doomfist has been hinted at for quite a while. He first appeared in the cinematic trailer. It was kind of a throwaway line. They're like, oh, it's Doomfist Gauntlet, dude. Oh, yeah. You can level a skyscraper by punching That's it. That's right, yeah. And uh, I don't know if the Terry Crews controversy is that big or anything, but whatever. Um, basically, Doomfist is out. I think as a character, he's insanely awesome to play as. Doomfist is classified as an assault hero, which is kind of odd because for a really long time, people thought that Doomfist was going to be a tank. And at least in my eyes, he seems like a super kind of technical initiator or something like that. But the thing that's interesting with his particular character is all his abilities are melee. He has a backup shotgun weapon in his left hand. So like each one of his knuckles is a barrel on the shotgun. So like he just shoots it out of his hand and it's like not like a normal shotgun. There's it's not like a hit scan shotgun it's a projectile shotgun so you have to kind of lead your shots with it you're not really supposed to use that though but what you're supposed to do is kind of combo into all these punches with your abilities so he has the first thing he has is it's a dash so you right click your right click is a dash the longer you hold the right click button the further you dash and if you hit into somebody it knocks them back and it does extra damage if they hit terrain uh, so much damage actually that it insta kills any hero that has 200 health or less mm-hmm. so um, in actuality it's really hard to pull that off with like say an assault hero and stuff like that but if you get really good at it I've seen people actually do that dash with mid-air pharas with another move uppercut rising uppercut um, where you can it's, it's basically an uppercut attack uh, I've seen people use it like to gain vertical uh, to gain like vertical height because when you do your dash you can't like go up you always like kind of stay in the plane that you're in but you can combo your dash in 
or you can combo your dash after your uppercut so you can like fly midair horizontally kind of like an air dash kind of thing um and then his other one is like i forgot what it's called it's like a slam basically what it does is you if you're on the ground you go forward to a set location and then wherever you're looking at it draws the heroes that you're looking at closer towards you like a kind of knock up kind of thing and his ultimate is meteor strike where he flies up into the air and then you get into this targeting reticule and you can kind of like go anywhere not really go anywhere it's not like a global thing but basically you can go anywhere within a set time limit where you have to move the cursor physically to that location and then you land down in that location um deals more damage the closer it is to the center um the thing that's really cool about this ability is that it's actually a really insane escape tool if a tracer stucks you with a pulse bomb it actually leaves the pulse bomb on the ground and doesn't get stuck to you anymore it has kind of that kind of properties to it um but something i think it's cool because a lot of other characters that overwatch has had for a while have been like reshuffled abilities kind of like oh it's similar abilities but it's kind of like this kind of thing or something like that with this character it's like entirely new it's like a melee focused character and a lot of people are myself included are having a blast with him i've been testing him out on the ptr um and it's it's been really fun uh i really enjoy his his actual voice actor a lot of people were hoping terry cruz would be his voice actor but they found i don't i don't remember where they saw this voice actor and whatnot this is actually his first role he's done a lot of plays and stuff but um he's basically i think a theater person that just someone who works at blizzard happened to be watching that play and they're like oh we need to hire this guy it was like on the spot and so um that's basically i i I don't even remember his name right now i feel so horrible about that (laughs) but uh it's awesome in my opinion um he's confirmed to be evil which we did not really know if he would be evil or not until we started getting teasers about like, oh, he broke out of prison, Talon's getting his Doomfist gauntlet back and stuff like that. And um, basically, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this character. Um, there is sort of a... People have been kind of upset that Terry Crews is not voicing him, but I can understand why Blizzard wanted to go in this direction with Doomfist. They kind of wanted him to be more of a serious character. They didn't want him to be like a living meme, I guess. Um, I don't know. I know for sure that uh, Chris probably didn't play or test out Doomfist, um, but did you have any thoughts about the Terry Crews thing? Um, I... Not particularly. I... I'm a Terry Crews fan, and it would it would make sense if, especially if Blizzard did not want Doomfist to be the the meme you know master, that they would not have Terry Crews as as his voice actor. I'm not sure if he would bring much to the character, like other other than sort of being hu- a meme machine humor, yeah, and 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 that kind of thing. So. I I feel like it makes sense um, for I don't know for that character especially if they wanted to wanted it to be serious. Um, I've only seen videos of how Doomfist plays, and 
I cannot say anything other than if I played Overwatch, if I still played Overwatch, uh, I would probably die a lot as him. Because I would just go ham and... This is your mating call back in the game, Fall Chris. off, fall off my... Fall off the map. No. No way. <laughs> it's it's trying to lure you back. No. First they did it with the D.Va statue, and now they're going to do it with Doomfist. Do- Doomfist looks like fun, but he's not my kind of character. He, like, I would, I would die constantly if I were playing Doomfist. It's just, I'm, I'm so bad at first person melee. I'm so bad at characters who have high maneuverability. Like, it's, it's just not, not my thing at all. Yeah, I guess we can transition from that. Those are really my thoughts of Doomfist. Um, we could transition into sort of the esports kind of aspect of Overwatch. Um, just a quick mention, uh, shout out to my old school UCI. They're having Overwatch scholarships now, and it, I think it is in addition to their League of Legends uh, scholarships. Uh, hold on. I, it's just, it's a good, it's a cool thing. They're, they had an, uh, fun fact, UCI opened up, I think, the first esports arena, a, a collegiate one in the country. It's more, it's more like an internet cafe, but still a pretty cool place. You can uh, play video games. They have, like, live streaming stations, studios, where you can watch casters, like, kind of, like, give commentary on local tournaments within the game. Like, if they have Overwatch tournaments and stuff, uh, they kind of cast it from... Uh, they cast it from the esports arena, and then they have like students doing the actual commentary and stuff like that. It's a pretty cool setup. Uh, plus, the internet's pretty insane there. Uh, like, I get two ping when I play Overwatch over there, which makes me wish that I had better internet. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, kind of segueing from that, it looks like the Overwatch League teams, um, the first ones have started popping up. Um, oh but that's that's not what the news was i i for my mind i was thinking about like oh overwatch overwatch league like the first teams are popping up but i I read the headline just now it's like official overwatch league teams are now are being bought by owners of actual sports teams yeah i mean the the, the headline is both actually both both that they're popping up because this is this is the official overwatch league um is beyond both that they're popping up and that People are actually, like, like significant people in sports are taking this seriously. I don't know. Hey, Chris, actual sports, what's up with that? I mean, <laughs> esports is an actual sport now. I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> that long debate it's, of whether esports is really sports. It's, it's, it's on the way of being treated the same way. It, it's, it's cool because I think, ooh... Less than a year ago, or was it about a year ago, when they showed uh, Street Fighter Five on ESPN? Do you remember? Oh, they had Street Fighter Five on ESPN. I remember they had Heroes of the Storm. No, no, no. no. This was this was ESPN. this was. I believe it was about a year ago when they had Street Fighter Five on ESPN, and it was a huge thing. It was it was absolutely massive. Was it successful? Yes, it was hugely successful. Even among non gamers. Yes. Yes. That's actually pretty awesome it's, it's, because I think fighting games are like the most relatable game that you can actually kind of like it's hard to play, but it's fun to watch, I guess. Yeah, is what I'm trying to exactly. say. Exactly. So I think I think this is this is really cool because this is like the next step from from 
Well, here's here's the list of teams, and these are these are city teams, like the Boston Red Sox. Now there's the Boston Overwatch team. I'm not sure if they, you know, actually have a have a uh, team a names. team name yet. But uh, we have you have Boston, New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Miami, Orlando, Shanghai, and Seoul. Seoul's gonna win. I call it. I well. <laughs> There's, there's <laughs> you it 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 co- Korean teams cannot be underestimated. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> they win. Don't they win every LCS game for League of Legends? I, uh, I, ooh, I don't keep track of LCS honestly, but uh, I have no idea. There's no there's idea been either. there's been some good competition, if I remember correctly, between the American teams and the Korean teams. Um, at least a couple of years ago. I'm not sure about now. But uh, this is huge, and this is this is going in exactly, exactly like a major league sports uh, l- league would be would be going. Um, the there are um, people who are actual owners of uh, major league sports teams um, that are buying these Overwatch teams, and there's a buy-in to get into the league, which is something like ten thousand dollars or ten. $10 million, I think it was, something like that. And, of course, that can be paid in over time. Um, the teams are getting revenue from ticket sales and streams and things like that, just like they would be in Major League Sports. Um, it's it's almost one-for-one one a, a, you know, correspondence with, with Major League Sports. It's, it's really cool, really interesting, and for me at least kind of unprecedented yeah you know what you know what will really demonstrate to me that esports has hit the mainstream what when when they start releasing like overwatch league manager <laughs> 2016 or something like that uh-huh. it's like those soccer management games it's like it would be so funny because I was watching MLB The Show playthroughs and like one thing that sports games have been doing recently is like adding a story mode where it's like, uh oh, this this team is hypothetically leaving to join this other team. Will he make this really big life decision and abandon this team and go to this other one even though it doesn't happen in real life? I think it would be hilarious if it was like, uh oh, uh, someone from FaZe Clan is considering leaving. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> seagull for the overwatch team thinking of moving the soul <laughs> or something like that'd that. be crazy imagine like overwatch drafts like for players that like actually there's a season for that there's an on season and an off season like imagine that imagine that, that for like pretty fun not just overwatch but for other esports too like that that's that's crazy that sounds awesome it does sound awesome. I was about to say, I was about to make a joke about this, but I forgot it actually happened. Um, in Las Vegas, they are starting to open up esports bars off of the. It's not on the strip, obviously, but um, you can bet on esports games, like on the teams. Cool. And like, uh, I was about to say, then the people will be betting on it. It's already happening, dude. <laughs> it's already happening. Yeah, you bet it's happening. I'm just I'm I 
I'm very optimistic for the future of esports. I'm very optimistic for games being considered, being taken more seriously in this direction. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we don't have we. I'm hoping that from the get go we kind of, or rather, I say we, but it's the people. Uh, sort of organizing all of all of these leagues and things like that. I hope they take it as seriously as a regular sport, because I remember uh, maybe this is two years ago now. Um, what was it? I, was it Dota Two or League? Some or maybe it was CS:GO, where they like the competitive scene had been there for a while, and then only. Two, two and a half years ago, they finally said, okay, you can't be taking uh, Adderall while you're playing this game. That's that's wrong. Oh, yeah. So, like, so it's like, wait a minute. Why didn't they have that regulation to begin with? So, I don't know. I, I, I just hope that as the general public starts to be taking this kind of thing more seriously, that it it it's that expectation is matched and we don't have those kind of snafus where it you know things dumb things happen where they wouldn't wouldn't happen in in a major league setting i'm i'm glad that i'm say what you will about overwatch i'm kind of glad that overwatch league seems to be going well because i think for a really long time uh league of legends has kind of dominated the esports scene and i've heard some pretty i don't know if they're true because i haven't really read into this i heard that like league is pretty awful when it comes to esports at least when it comes to like the way they treat teams and the way they treat the players mm. on those teams that kind of thing um i heard that overwatch league was kind of started to be a response to that kind of thing where uh players like aren't treated that well and stuff like that and i think i think it's pretty cool that act the people who are buying overwatch league teams are actually owners of actual sports teams and stuff like that I th- hope that that means that uh, that the players, like, get the support they need, like, get the hours that... Not only the hours that they need to, like, go into training, but, like, there's a lot of... This is going to sound super dumb, but it's it's true. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of sort of repetitive stress injuries that can happen in uh, esports yeah. like this, especially if you're doing a lot of, like, micro... Uh, it, you know, when if you type for... F- god how many hours if you type straight you can actually hurt yourself and get carpal tunnel syndrome and stuff like that um but basically i i'm glad that this is taking off um what what are your thoughts on overwatch league i know i know you're not a huge fan of overwatch the game but as far as overwatch and overwatch league and kind of what they're doing what what have your thoughts been overall about like their mission and kind of um i i i'm very optimistic um, sort of like I am with most esports. Um, I like the idea that Overwatch League is the antithesis of what sort of League of Legends and and the the MOBA community is. Um, I mean, ideally, we we have not seen that come to fruition quite yet because we're still setting things up as this this piece of news that we're discussing now sort of shows, but um. I would be into Overwatch League more than I would be uh, into any MOBA. Um, I think 
I, I, I want to say that something like Overwatch is probably a bit more accessible than a MOBA would be. Um, and I, I'm actually very interested in where it goes. I'm very optimistic, especially in, in the tone and in the direction that they want to be taking it. Yeah. I, one of the big things that I liked over about Overwatch, like when I first started playing is cause I really enjoyed TF2 when it first came out. Um, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, Overwatch is just a copy of TF2. It's not, it, the game modes are similar, but I think in terms of combat, it's kind of drastically different because basically where in TF2, they would have like multiple characters. Characters can have like several defining characteristics to them. Like Overwatch kind of simplifies that further. Yeah, there are more characters for in Overwatch, but it's kind of like those essences are like what each character has like essentially one thing that they excel at in particular, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think in that aspect, too um that's partly why i enjoy that game because there's like uh, i don't know how to say i just think that overall i kind of intuitively understand like shooters way more than mobas but that's more of a personal thing but i think another thing that really sells overwatch for a lot of people is the characters in the game um for me tracer is like my favorite character in a very long time and I know she's like the the boxer character and stuff like that, but I I don't know. You don't see, at least in modern times, I felt like you didn't see a lot of really happy characters. I guess in video games that kind of just exist in their sort, even though they have their emotional moments. Like particularly with Tracer and like the Alive cinematic where uh, he let she let Zenyatta dies, but no, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but she when someone dies. You can tell she's really sad about it. I think, and I guess it kind of boils down to like, um, Overwatch was kind of built around the idea that Blizzard has always been kind of, at least in their words, Blizzard is kind of like a hero factory where they have all these good character designs and stuff like that. Um, Whether or not you enjoy the games or whatever, that's totally up to you. I kind of think that a lot of characters that I play are... A lot of characters I see in Blizzard games are pretty... They stick in my head for a while. I think specifically in, like, Overwatch and StarCraft in particular, just because I enjoy those environments a lot more. Um, But yeah, maybe maybe that's part of why it's so accessible. I actually... How do we get here? Uh, <laughs> I kind of, Overwatch, I think is, I Overwatch is awesome. And uh, yeah. esports are pretty cool, too. That's how we got here. <laughs> yeah, maybe... Maybe this Overwatch League is part two of the mating call to get you back into Overwatch. Ooh, maybe Chris. it is. I don't know. I'm kind of looking at Widowmaker right now, and I'm like, hmm, I kind of want to play. You kind of want to play Widowmaker <laughs> a little bit. So maybe, hey, maybe hey, I'll hey maybe I'll think about playing Overwatch soon. Open up that Blizzard app. Oh, no, it's it's already open. I was playing Necromancer earlier. It's already open. Did- no, no, leave the Diablo section, click the Overwatch what? button, and then click the download button on install are button. Are you, are you, are you, mm, pre- oh, ooh, look at that diva statue. Ooh, clicking that instead. Ooh, wow. You mm. can read the Doomfist lore. $500. I, okay, here's, here's something. I watched the, uh, the, uh, um, the uh, Jeff Kaplan dev uh, update 
for for Doomfist. Mm-hmm. And he opens up with the lore, right? Yeah. I didn't care. Is that just me? It's... I just didn't care at all. I I was more happy that Doomfist exists, to be honest. I I understand he's evil and he works with Talon. Um it's weird. I I really enjoyed Arissa's story, actually. Cause in Arissa's story, uh, she was destroyed by Doomfist, and that's what made her into a hero, because the engineer that created her wanted her to be a protector of this. I think with Doomfist, I get Doomfist is evil, he breaks out of prison. Maybe there I I don't know. I talked with uh Michael Chu, the writer before, at a panel i think and he mentioned that usually when they write a character they have so much that they don't tell you i'm guessing they're probably doing that my hunch is that maybe they have a cinematic in the works maybe that explains a little more of it but in this i don't know this is a significantly different approach to story that blizzard typically does so i might cut them some slack on that i don't know (laughs) but um yeah but as far as doomfist i think the things that really got me excited for him have been his gameplay and just how different he is compared to a lot of the heroes and how interesting it'll be to play as him one of his counters is hanzo so i feel like it's funny because the past two heroes the hard counters for those two heroes have been hanzo i think they're just trying to make him relevant more of a viable pick which actually he is actually okay in attack at least in the recent meta you really should get i'm serious chris you should you need to get back in here so much has changed since you last i would be i would be interested in in a in like an esports setting i think another thing that overwatch has um over a moba especially a like overwatch has a much more distinct and select like roster that I feel like it's so much easier to understand what's going on in, in a meta than it is in, in a MOBA. Yeah, especially in like MOBAs and stuff, they have their metas change, uh, I think, on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. Almost, at least with League. I don't know about Dota, but... Um, oh, they got Diva leggings here on the gear store, Chris. Ooh, the with the little bunnies? Uh, or like no it has the logos and stuff oh it's like her pants and the pilot suit cool did it no they don't wait do they have the tracer statue still oh no that's the new figure that they have god i i part of me really wants that tracer statue there's no way i'm shelling out 500 <laughs> part of me wants this diva statue but there's no way i'm <laughs> you know what's cheaper than a diva statue chris playing as diva and overwatch playing as diva and overwatch oh man dude boom i got five hundred dollars or my time oh man that's a that's a hard hard one also those I, leggings what? are 45 dollars <laughs> okay uh for those of you who don't know in the in the audience uh i've been trying to get chris out of retirement uh, out of Overwatch retirement for quite a while. Um, do you want to share your backstory as to what made you it's, quit? It's really very simple. It's that I am not 
a fan of competitive multiplayer, like me playing competitive multiplayer games. And when Overwatch came out, I was very excited and I played it for like maybe two or three months, maybe a little bit longer than that. And I ended up just getting so salty that I just had to quit. I could not play anymore. It was just too much for me. I, I, yeah, I just can't, I can't play Overwatch. I've been trying to get him back in the game ever since. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. I can, if you want, I can try to desalt the, the salt here. Kind of reduce the sodium in your blood. Oh, man. <laughs> the sodium levels. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Probably not, but I'm... If you truly want to understand what's going on in the esports scene, though, you really... You gotta get back. Here. Well, why? That it makes no. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, not every not every you... fan of baseball has to play baseball to understand what's going on. That's true, but ha! Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, just oh god, you you yourself said you miss Widowmaker. Widowmaker is you pretty missed, cool. You missed back I'm, in the beta days. I'm when bad at snipers, be, but Widowmaker is pretty now cool. Is your, Widowmaker is your chance to your redemption. I remember when in the beta, her butt would get bigger if you used her. Yes, ultimate. I do distinctly remember that. And then they changed it and said it was an animation error. I think, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when Blizzard says something like that, they don't mean it's an animation error. I think someone snuck it in and <laughs> tried to like get it past qa or something who knows because there is i don't know if you remember this there was kind of a controversy with may in the chinese new year skin thing because her waist was thin and everyone was yelling at blizzard for making her like not fat and so they changed it apparently that literally was a model error or something hmm. like that but eh i i the game is fun i don't i don't really care <laughs> to be honest um but yeah, uh, tune in next tune in next week, guys, and you'll see if I actually successfully convince him to join Overwatch. Spoiler alert: he won't. <laughs> At least ninety percent sure he probably won't. Um, probably not. Is true. However, uh, we should actually follow up on the jump service. Oh right, I should I should actually sign up for that. Actually, as soon as I finish. Yeah. And also, Actually, I I, uh, <laughs> I want to play Necromancer. Next time, next time we have a podcast, I will probably have played um, Splatoon two. So look forward to that. Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm next podcast. I hope I have a Switch <laughs> because they're still super scarce. Yeah, they are. They really are. Nintendo, if you're listening, why? Just why? Do the right thing and just specifically give me a switch. Don't worry about anybody. Right, yeah. I, I I got this covered. That's it. That's exactly what they should be doing. Don't don't right. pander to your for your full market. Just just uh, give Zach a switch. Yeah. All right. I think that it pretty much wraps up uh, this episode. I I enjoyed that last that last bit of it where we were just talking about overwatch and me trying to seduce you back into the i'm game. surprised um, considering how much i dislike talking about overwatch how much we talked about overwatch 
Well, it's Overwatch League. That's the distinction here. Yeah, fair enough. So anyway, uh, Chris, why don't you share uh, with everybody where they can reach you? Sure. Uh, my name is Christopher DeLeon. You can reach me uh, on my blog at RetroFitoLeon. That's R-E-T-R-O-F-I-T-O-L-E-O-N dot WordPress.com. You can also, for the first time ever, uh, reach me at RetroFitoLeon on Twitter. Whoa, dude, I'm going to break protocol and start typing on my mechanical keyboard so I can follow you on Twitter right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, that's exciting. Any other any other contacts? Right no, now? that's it. All right. Uh, I am Zachary Hart. Uh, uh, right now, my, my title is just UCI graduate. Hopefully that, that can change into an actual <laughs> job position pretty soon. Um, you can reach me at... Uh, on Twitter at T H E Z A X X O N A T R at the Zaxinator. Um, if you disagree with me, particularly in my comments of uh, Terry Crews, uh, tweet at me. I will tweet back a meme. I, I won't. I won't fight back your opinion. I'll just respond in a meme. Actually, if you're actually listening to this podcast, tweet at me so I can tweet a meme out. I, I haven't tweeted <laughs> please, anything in a really long please. time. Please, <laughs> let me tweet a meme. <laughs> I need to release the meme juices out of me, dude. That sounded really weird. I, <laughs> it's it's appropriately meme. Appropriately yeah. meme. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you hopefully next week or whenever we decide to uh, get our life together and record podcast <laughs> accurate accurate later guys Bye. yeah good <laughs>